Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hi, welcome back to 180 Church Podcast. I'm your host today. I am Pastor Lydia. I'm pastor of Transformation, co-founder with Dr. Sammy, my husband. And today we have a special guest, Amin Lee. He will be joining us for a really special conversation um, around the message about vision and clarity. And who doesn't want that? 2020, to have clarity um, seems really important as we um, enter into the year. The direction of our faith is dependent on our idea of God's vision for us. And sometimes it's critical for us to realign our vision. It can be conflated with an idea on how to lead a good and virtuous life or some otherworldly metric for success. But through the parable of the lost sheep, we learn the church is meant for relationships where its people would be willing to sacrifice for the one. Though we may fail in carrying out God's purpose, what truly matters to God is not if we succeed, but if we are faithful to this call. Today's text is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So, today will be the first time I admit my actual age. Put this picture up here. So this week, I did turn 30, I mean 40. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, yeah. Yeah, thank you. I survived, I made it. Um, Andy, who was not here, I think he's on vacation with a couple of friends in California, thought I was turning 45. <laughs> he's lucky he's on vacation because he would have died young <laughs> if he was here. My, my son, teenage son, uh, jokingly said, Dad, how's it feel to turn 60? <laughs> why do we have kids? Like, why even try? That's what they do to you. They exaggerate your age. And you know what the thing is? I have one thing, no matter how old, older I'm getting, because I'm still young in spirit and vigor, I still have 2020 vision. 
in my house. And so I can flaunt, I could, you know, swag out my vision at home. Say, hey, what's your vision? You're not 2020. Because I can literally see perfectly. Most of you are all blind. If there was no contacts and Armageddon took place and there are no glasses or stores, I would be your guide literally. Because you would be blind. But the truth is, all of you know, most of you have experienced blindness to some degree. And you know your lenses through which you look every day. Your glasses or your contacts, it's corrective, right? You get to see clear again when you put them on. And you do that every morning. See, what happens is, in the spiritual life, in our walk, in, walk of faith, in our journey of faith, sometimes we also become blurry in our vision. And sometimes, um, I know this with my kids, especially my youngest, he, you know, the teacher wrote a note, said you, you should check your son for glasses because you know, he couldn't see the board. And you don't know when your vision becomes blurry or not you know, corrected. Or it's, you're seeing things clearly. It happens implicitly at times and subtly. That's why I think it's critical this year to realign our vision. Grounded in Scripture, right in the Bible. Grounded in how God sees why the church exists. Why a faith community exists. What is this vision? The visio day that God has for this planet, for this city, for the schools we're involved in, from the workplaces. Because the truth is, a lot of us have lost our vision. And without vision, you can't get anywhere. Without vision, you can't accomplish the things you want to accomplish. Without vision, you don't know where you're going. And oftentimes, you're walking blind. So for this month, we're going to focus on vision, correcting our vision vertically, meaning how did God sees the world? How did God sees us? And what his vision is, not just for our life, but the macro vision of what he is doing in this world. Because that's critical to join God in what he is doing. Amen? So let's look at this passage, because I think it captures the heart of what God does. In Luke 15, to just give you a brief background, expositionally, just exegetically speaking, when we take from the text, Jesus is making a case. This is called the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. So there are three parables. And sometimes Jesus likes to use the power of repetition to just hammer people. Because sometimes what is plain to him, what is plain to God, isn't necessarily plain to us. Right? How many people sometimes, you know, dense? Look at someone next to you. Are they dense? I see some dense person right in front of you. Um, but, you know, just kidding. And, you know, it's, it's, we're dense sometimes. So Jesus, through repetition, wants to show the value, the intrinsic inherent value of the Imago Dei 
through many different lenses. And he, he wants to make a case. Because you see, when you come to Luke 15, you need to know that this parable is not for the public. It's for the religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious scholars of the day. Because they created a bounded set, center set type of spirituality where they begin to exclude people because of their lifestyle and their belief systems. And a lot of times the church, when you work from a moral framework, when the church emphasizes a, to a high degree of morality how you should live, and you keep shooting on people in many different ways, you create a bounded set spirituality. You begin to exclude people. And today, in our society, much of the church in the United States have excluded people because of their religion, excluded people because of their race, excluded people because of their social status, excluded people because they have no status. They're refugees. Or they're, they're immigrants or illegal immigrants. And sometimes we end up, again, history repeats itself in that side of history. And so Jesus wants to speak to that issue, the exclusion of the church, the exclusion of faith communities, and the temptations all faith communities experience when they begin to grow in number and grow in power. It's, it's a, a seductive temptation when you begin to consolidate power as a religion or a faith community, you begin to feel proud of yourself. And so when we come here, verse 1 addresses that to the religious, self-righteous heart. How many people here self-righteous? Okay, don't raise your hand. You probably won't know you're self-righteous, but maybe this will speak to you. Now, now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, right there, these are people that are excluded, exempt, put aside, discarded, disqualified from faith communities in the Jewish faith community. But something about Jesus, the way he taught, the way he was present with people, the way he valued God, drew from to this faith community, the, the sinner of sinners were drawn to him. And this is what they, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. You guys ever mutter anything before? My kids mutter all the time. Why, why, why I got to do this? I could do that later. Uh, what you say? Nothing. Nothing. Muttering is implicitly rolling your eyes behind, you know, behind your brain here, cranium, or you know, taking a sly comment, showing poor attitude. Because a lot of times what's in your heart and what you really believe comes out in those moments. Your values are tested when you're against it. And so when Jesus began to move away from the, from the bounded set spirituality, the teachers of the law began to mutter, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So this is when Jesus tells the parable. So when I teach a parable, basically we break down the parable into two ways. The point of the parable, the lesson of the parable, and ultimately the challenge of the parable. Okay? So what are we doing? Point of the parable, lesson of the parable, challenge of the parable. So what is the point of the parable? Of the parable 
of the lost sheep. Let's put it up there. I want you to read it with me. The church is what? The church is not a business. Tell someone next to you, the church is not a business. And some people would argue with you. Some church leaders today would argue with you that the church should run like a business. You know, what we need is Jack Walsh and, and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg to run the church. And the church would be full and flourishing. What we, the problem is the church lacks business competent leaders. All we have is those clergymen that know Greek and Hebrew. They always study, you know, their nerdy theological language. They talk about exegetic, exegesis and hermeneutics. What, 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 what happened is we've gotten away from the practicality of life. Because in the end, the church really is a business and it should run like a business. But if you read this passage of the parable, that's exactly how the Pharisees was treating the faith community. In businesses, famously quoted by the guru of leadership management, the corporation, for example, is only 100 years old, folks, okay? Business executive leadership, the word leadership is not even in the Bible. The only word for leader in the Bible is servanthood. Public service. A leader serves in the New Testament, Old Testament language. The word leader only really exists in 100 years of the corporate landscape. But look, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave what? The what? Say it with me. The what? The 99 in, in what? In open country and goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. What? In businesses, one of 99 is not economic incentive enough for you to risk. Business is all about competing risk. You cut your losses. You fire someone when they're incompetent. You don't throw them a party or you don't cry tears when they leave with their box outside, you know, their job or their office. Here, Jesus is not making economic sense because the church is not a business. The church metric, the metric God uses, is completely different than the one the world uses. Peter Drucker said, the definition of a business is to create a customer, meaning more. Addition is business. That's the point of business. Business is to make money. And so you count everything. And the columns and the earnings and corporate potential, all that, every business that's publicly traded has accountability every quarter of how much they made to the cent. And if you miss by one cent the earnings, your stocks move downward. If you beat, it goes upwards. But the church is meant to be about relationships. Tell someone next to you, it's about relationships. How many people think relationships is business? Relationships are efficient. Have you ever been married? Well, I mean, that's a bad question. <laughs> are you married? Have you been married? That might be a bad question. Okay. Or have you dated? 
If you know men and women, there's no efficiency in relationships. That does not exist. I mean, one person is always late. In my house is my what? No, it's me. <laughs> I take much longer than her to get ready. You know, I gotta, you know, get ready. All, all this, no, <laughs> no. But my wife, I remember my wife, we, when we first dated, she was like, how many things are you gonna try on? I said, well, eight different things. They all fit differently. She's like, oh my God. Relationships are not efficient, folks. If you actually try to be efficient in the beginning of a relationship, you're never going to get any further. What are you going to tell that person? You're wasting my time? No, I don't have time to talk to you about this. I mean, relationships are not efficient. Families are not efficient. F families are the worst. You're like, wow, what do you promote? Families are the worst. You have a kid, you're, you get poorer. Every kid, you get poorer. You got to save for college. Think about how much college will be in 10 years. It's going to be like a couple hundred thousand dollars. You're poor. And you're like, yes, we had another kid. What the? It's not efficient. You can't count that way. So a church cannot be a business because we don't count how much money, how many people. We count how people are what? Growing and flourishing. We don't discard people because they're acting poorly or because they had a bad attitude today or they're hangry. Some of you might be hangry right now. I am. I only had a protein bar. So if I start yelling during the message, you know why? No. You see, the kingdom equation and metric for why it exists is not measured by the symmetric that the world uses, the corporate governance uses. I remember equating sheep here of the parable to, to myself having an animal in, in my house. I have a dog. I have my dog now for 13 years. About, she's turning 14. And this dog is the worst dog ever. And some people think that my dog's the best dog ever because she never barks. That's it, really. <laughs> but she does nothing of value. We clean her shenanigans every day. Sometimes we walk her. She doesn't want to go. She does it in the front porch or the back patio. And we have to pick it up three, four times a day. Or my wife does. I do it sometimes. I volunteer. You know, I, I do it. But this dog is literally, we give her a bath. She gets her stuff messy. She goes, digs mud. Gets her, you know, one time I, ha I had it with her. It was like a few years ago. My, my sons and I and my wife um, was taking this music course at Rutgers and Conservatory. And we were just walking in the football field that was open. And we were just like having this beautiful walk. Father, sons, and moments were running. You know, the dog, everybody's happy. And then this crazy dog starts burying herself, all these goose duck manure on the floor. She starts burying herself, digging into all the manure like a crazy per dog. <laughs> like, not just like once, like her whole body was smeared with manure. Like her collar, her 
face, her whole body. And she kept doing it for 10 minutes. And I was like, are you, are you crazy? And I found out later that dogs have a, you know, an instinct. They, they, they try to you know, hide their scent. And this dog's not going to hunt anybody. <laughs> this dog would, if robbers came to my house, thieves, she, she would lick them. And, you know, I was so angry. Because I do not want to get that doo-doo in the car. It's leather. <laughs> so I told the boys, should we leave her here? <laughs> you know, someone will find her. Right? And the person that doesn't even talk to the dog ignores her completely. My oldest. Nathan says, Dad, she's part of the family. <laughs> she is not part of the family. She is doo-doo. Look at her. She is a bad dog. She did the worst thing. We just give her a bath. What is wrong with her, right? I mean, literally. I, I was really tempted, but I really wasn't tempted. We got plastic bags wrapped her in plastic bags until my wife could wash her when we got home. <laughs> but I put the plastic bags on to cover the leather. We won't throw a dog out when it acts poorly. A dog. And that's the parable of the lost sheep. The church cannot disqualify, discard people because of their sins or their behavior or because of their beliefs. The church must see them for what they are. The parable of the lost sheep shows us the heart of God, the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is, the heart of Abba is, he sees everyone with inherent value, the imago Dei. The, so the visio Dei is informed by the imago Dei, that we are created in the image of God. There's inherent value to every single person, no matter how much they mess up or do stupid things or say things. Amen? Once you forget that, the church loses its relevance. Every life, no matter how broken, no matter how smeared, no matter how lost, is important to God. That value is a kingdom value that's non-negotiable to the church. And once the church becomes business and no longer about serving those who are lost, a search party, and valuing every single human being created in the image of God, we lose our mission and our purpose. We must become a community of faith that will sacrifice the many for the one. That's what Jesus did. Jesus would have died for one. If you go back to Genesis, Abraham pleads on the floor before Samad and Gomorrah is destroyed to God, God, if there's just one, two, three, he's bargaining in the Old Testament. Jesus is that 
foreshadowing the Messiah wanting to save just even one. You. Tell someone next to you, you. He would have died just for you. So if he would have died just for you, why is that person who you don't like, the person who disagrees with you and might be abhorrent to you, not deserve the cross and the blood and love? Once the church loses that heart at its center, it is irrelevant to culture. The church is called to be an ER for the sick, not a fashion show for the moral elite. <laughs> if we have too many spiritual people, it gets weird. If you have too many spiritual people, too high holy people, it gets really tight. Everybody starts using etymology that they don't really believe. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And now they put on a show for who's holier. And we all know who's holier. It's me. <laughs> See that? Then spiritual pride takes place. And now you're, you know, you're talking about who lifts their hand higher during worship and who's more passionate for God. How would you really know? There's no way to measure that. And I remember my wife and me in the bathtub cringing because I can't touch that stuff. My wife is a saint. All the boys were like, oof. And she washed her. A dirty dog full of shenanigans and doo-doo. Every part of her was covered. That's the church. That's our calling. To take those who are broken ashamed, dirty, and broken by life, to clean them, to heal them, and renew them. Amen? That's our calling. You lose that calling, you lose the heart of God. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the heart this year to, become, to, to make our community a guilt-free community where anyone is welcome even if you don't like them, even if they like the Mets or the Knicks or if they like LeBron. I have a hard time with that. God's still working on me. Especially if you like LeBron. Let's move down. So the church is not a business. That's the point of the parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And then right below, it says that just like that in heaven, when one sinner repents, over 99 righteous who do not need to repent, there's a party. There's greater rejoicing, it says. It gives you the vertical perspective. It gives you the heavenly perspective. How about heaven counts and what heaven sees? So what's the lesson of the parable? Read it with me. Lesson of the parable is what? The church is called to be what? But not necessarily what? You're like, what? I've been told we need to be successful. More people, more money, more chairs, no empty seats. We need to get packing. We have vibrant worship. 
We need to have lines down, down the door. We, we, church is supposed to be, you're supposed to be able to count everything. No. In this passage, it says, if you lose a sheep, doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost? The church's calling is not to be successful because you might not be. It's the pursuit of the lost sheep. There are people in Scripture, like the prophet Jeremiah, that preached and proclaimed and wrote a whole book, and no one repented. Not one single person repented. Apostle Paul preached for 13 years with not one single convert. Until later on, when there was a revival that took place. The church's job, cannot, we cannot guarantee success. doesn't mean we're going to reach people. We hope we do. But we don't do it for success. We do it because that's the value of the heart of the kingdom. Amen? That's the heart of God. The heart of God is pursuing. And let me just tell you, give you a proclamation of prophetic eschatology. Not all will be saved. Many will be lost. When we get to Revelations, when we get to the end of time, and we enter eternity, there will not be people that say yes to God. In their stubbornness, and hidden in shame, many will be lost. But we still keep going on. I remember when we started 180 Fellowship, young ministers, you know, all of us were young ministers at one point. I was one, a young minister until yesterday. <laughs> Can I still, I'm a young minister title? Oh, great. I'm a middle-aged minister now. <laughs> but I remember when, when we started 180 Fellowship, we started reaching students. It was a disaster. When Minyoung was a student, she was the president, she was the only member. <laughs> they had to lie to keep the fellowship alive. And Peeves, Pastor Billy came up to me and said, you know, we had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation over McDonald's because that's where you have heart-to-heart -heart conversations. <laughs> or get a heart attack. One or the other. I mean, you, you know, you go. <laughs> so if you're suffering, a Big Mac <laughs> antidote, right? But we're at McDonald's. We're talking heart-to-heart. -heart. You, know, he you know, he said to me, you know, you know, you know Pastor Sam, I, let's just be honest here. I suck at what I do. I said, yes, you do. <laughs> Actually, we're all sucking right now. It's hard, right? Ministry is much harder than we thought. Young people, they suck, right? <laughs> Are people really putting quarters in the, in the offering bucket? <laughs> I mean, and he was like, you know, what if it's, it's just not God's will? Like, I thought I'd at least be good at what I do. You know, I sacrificed and went to ministry because I thought, you know, I'll see life change and I'll do all this and, you know, I'll be successful. And I was like, there's no guarantee of success. This mission, in a war, there's casualties. If you read Hebrews 11, it says that some received their dead back, their dead back and brought to life, but, saw, but some were sawed in two. In this war between kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light, some win, many more lose. But we're still fighting for the battle of life. We're still fighting for hearts of humanity, amen? 
And he was like, man, that's hard to swallow, but you're right. It is hard. But we don't do this to be successful. Because anyone can be successful. You're like, really? How? Just because you're successful doesn't mean that's a good thing. If the values are that create and perpetuate evil or create further disparity. No. What are we supposed to be faithful to? The mission. The vision. The visio day informed by the imago day. Our fate, we're caught to faithfulness. And we hope that we end up in the, in the right side. But the values never change, so we keep doing it anyway. If you look at the Bible, God never says anywhere in the parables of the talents, the parable of anywhere where God says, well done, my successful servant. I'm so glad you were successful and you led thousands to Christ. Actually, in Matthew 7, it says, you, you prophesied in my name, you did miracles, get away from me, evildoer. In the parable of talents, it said, well done, my faithful servant, because your calling is to be faithful to his vision. Any idiot can change a vision. Any personality. Some, you know, some people say, you know, if only the pastor was more charismatic. I mean, come on, can you think of more charismatic pastor than that? No. Or I'm, I'm kidding, but I mean, Jesus was the most charismatic figure in history, and he lost from 15,000 to 11, and then to one in his crucifixion. There was only John. Everybody left him. Faithfulness, folks. Faithfulness to the mission, the vision. I mean, I teach a course every summer at Fuller in, in Pasadena, and I say to every church planner that, that have done this, and I say, let me just tell you this now. You are two, three tragedies away be from becoming an Uber driver. They're like, geez, can I quit this course? Because an Uber driver drove me to class. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's the truth. The truth is, we don't do, do this because it's guaranteed success. We do this because this is what God is doing, and we're joining him. So the church is called to be faithful. Can we? Be, anyone here could be faithful, because that's about character. That's about you doing what God is doing. You joining him, no matter what the costs are. And as our community grows, we're going to see some baptisms this year for people that gave their lives to Christ. You know, our, our community, our growing community of young people, is only one of few of five congregations in the whole country that's fully funded by young people. A church of millennials funded by millennials. Let's give God a clap offering for that. Yeah. Yeah, we're completely, there's no external funding. There's no, you know, parachute. If the plane crashes, we all die. That's the staff's motto. The, so keep the plane or, the, or you know, the star, you know, starship flying. There is no backup plan. Yeah, we're, only, we're one of the few congregations in the country that's fully funded where there's no white hairs at all. 
not boomers, not Gen Xers, fully funded by millennials, 100% that has survived. Every nine out of 10 businesses, entrepreneurship fail. Churches, it's even worse statistics than that. We can't even actually get a statistics. There's no church planner who failed or closed their doors want to talk about it. I'm like, come on, let's talk about it, bro. No. You try to get church planners who close their doors together, no one returns your emails. I know, I tried. So we don't actually have a statistic on that. So the church is called to be faithful, and we're going to be faithful. I always see 180 as the Terminator. Doesn't matter. We're on a mission. The Terminator meets Friday Night Lights. In Friday Night Lights, there's a saying. What is it? Clear eyes, full hearts. What? Can't lose. Everybody say it with me. Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. You would be terrible football players. <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. If you're fully alert and focused on what your goal is, what your vision is, it's not to win the game. You hope you win. There's no guarantee. Both opponents are worthy. There's no guarantee of success. But if you have clear eyes, you have your values, your priorities straight, kingdom first, mission of God first, the Visio Dei, informing the Imago Dei, and you give everything you have, full heart, you can't lose. That's why 180 can't lose. That's why I say we're Terminator meets Friday Night Lights. You, our eyes go off, arm goes off, one leg. Cannon hits us, you know, whatever, shotgun hits us, truck hits us. Get back up, limping, limping, mission, until it goes black. That's our call, to be faithful. Tell someone next to you, you're called to be faithful. Amen? We're called to be faithful, and that is our vision for this year, because I can tell you right now, and be like, listen, guys, I'm a charismatic pastor from Harvard and Yale and UPenn. I'm so awesome. I'm smarter than most of you. Well, probably, no, I'm kidding. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I have a vision for this place. You know, it's going to be great. It's going to become a mega church, and we're awesome, and we're going to have, like, you know, bands here with, like, skinny jeans and leather jackets, and we're going to have smoke machines. <laughs> And I'm telling you, I could do a better job than everybody else because I'm smarter than them. But I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not. Because people tell me, hey, what's 180 like? We're like a church in Manhattan. That's it? That's literally it. What's your vision? We have no vision. Our vision is to follow Jesus, to do what he started. Go after the one lost sheep. That's your strategy? That's our strategy. So what's, your special, about, what's special about your church? What's not special? We have a lot of special people in the lower tier special. The pastor's not special. Our teaching is not special. Our worship's not special. Our church is not special at all. Jesus is special, though. Heaven is special. The kingdom is special. God is special. And we are just messengers. If anyone tells you that they have a special revelation, that they're a special pastor, they're anointed, um, you know, and they're called divinely of God for a time such as this, it sounds nice. But any guy can have a vision. 
Okay, the only vision that matters is the vision Jesus started 2,000 years ago. That's the vision we're on. That's the only vision that matters. And that's what we're joining this year. That's what we want to remind you of, to be corrective of our vision. That every heart, every broken life, every life that's far from God in this city, every person that's ashamed, every person going through despair, every person having doubts, this is their home. To join God, a community joining God to restore the beauty in all things. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. So welcome back to our podcast today. Um, today, Joe is not here, but we have a very special guest, Amin Lee. Hi, Amin. Hi, everybody. Amin was actually a guest on our podcast last year with his beautiful, awesome wife, Jenny. Um, you could check that out. It was in the last year archives, I believe. All right. So, Amin, can I just ask you to uh, introduce yourself again? Sure. Um my name is Anmin Lee. I'm a longtime member of 180 Church. That's true. I was part of the staff that um, started Manhattan Site, and uh, I was recently a small group facilitator until we started transitioning to family groups, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm currently a graduate student at the Fierstein School of Cinema. Mm, yeah. Yes, director. director. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Amin is a very talented director, and he's in school right now, and he's a great dad and a great husband, thank you, right? Thank you. Thank yes. you. Yeah, it's great. Yes. Great intro. There's a lot of, <laughs> lot, a lot of clarity in all the compliments. Um, so yeah, this message, it was so powerful, wasn't it? Yeah. What were your thoughts, um, beginning thoughts um, as we go in? Um, well, first of all, actually starting from worship, I didn't tell you this yet, but mm. um, starting from worship when we were singing... Um, come home running mm. um i started getting very emotional mm. and i was like what's what's going on and like like i, w- I even started crying during that song mm. so i think from that point on god w- god was beginning to speak to me and then as i heard the message it all came together mm. because i think god was reminding me of my calling mm. and why and and why i want to do what i do uh-huh. and you know just what the mission is all about and i guess yeah, I mean, that's just my beginning thought. I can go into it more, I, I guess, as we go into the message. But it was just, yeah, a refreshing reminder of um, following God and what it means to be faithful and what it's all about. Mm. Especially because I'm graduating in May mm. and I'm thinking about so much about my career and the next steps, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So it brought clarity to yeah. why God um is leading you this way yeah yeah and how yeah. he's made you for sure and even your interests and everything yeah, yeah, that's exactly. led up to this mm-hmm. so for those that don't know um the one of the uh the worship set i believe it was the last song was it the last song maybe i think it was the second <laughs> the first or second actually remember. it was what the first or second song. oh first or second yeah. song it was uh come home running by chris tomlin it's a really powerful song mm-hmm. and which part of the song got to you it's, honestly, a, it's a really a song about honestly it was every line really every line was just hitting me mm-hmm. both verses and then and then you know because last week dr sammy um preached about the prodigal son mm-hmm. you know and then there's a line where it's like um his how, how does it go he'll he'll come running down the road you know he'll see mm-hmm. you from afar 
So I, so I started remembering that and the father's mm. love for us, how he's always waiting for us to come back home. Mm. So I guess, yeah, because I was just thinking about um, the people that God's calling me to, mm. you know, that they're all either lost or found sons or daughters, mm-hmm. you know, and God just wants them to come back home. Mm. So I think my heart was like opening up to that again. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how like we could live day to day every day and think and we're we are living in some kind of awareness that Mm -hmm. we are loved by god and that we're called by god but it's really special when the holy spirit really makes it clear for us to really understand like specifically that the life that we're living and the choices we make and the relationships that we build really matters um is that kind of like the experience that you had yeah, because, well, it it all started on Friday or Saturday rather, because I was talking to Henry because I was saying how oh I'm going to this event later um, with some with some acquaintances, you know, mm-hmm. and Henry was like, um, yeah, you know, be a light, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I I shrugged it off because mm-hmm. I was like in my head I was like, come on Henry, why are you being so spiritual? You know, oh, it's not spiritual. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just going because I'm obligated to go, mm-hmm. you know, but then. And then yesterday during the sermon, I thought about that again. Mm. And um, I felt like it was very prophetic. Because mm. God was like, no, I sent you there for, I'm always sending you somewhere for a reason. You mm. know? And so then I started thinking about the relationships I have. Because it's so easy to kind of classify, oh, well, this relationship is just um, like a secular relationship. You know? Mm-hmm. This one, you know, I think maybe there's an opportunity to reach this person mm. for Christ. And it's like we kind of compartmentalize that. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're a Christian or not. Right. Like this friend is for this, this friend is for that. Yeah, people happen to fall in categories. Exactly. Right. And I think as you were saying that, the Holy Spirit was sharing like, no, no, it's, he was kind of bringing the picture together. Mm. Yeah. I think that's such a good point because I felt like last week's message was about all the lines that we draw mm-hmm. with people and the categories and the compartmentalization that happens because sometimes it gets overwhelming all the people yeah. and we almost feel like, we have to understand where everyone belongs so that we could maximize our effort. Yeah. Whether it's close relationship building or mission. But I felt like last week's message about the prodigal son and addressing like the prodigal son, the elder son and mm-hmm. beco- and the call to become the father, it kind of like broke down all the lines and yeah. the categories yeah. and saw people as one category. Yeah. Children of God, lost or found. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. For sure. Because, you know, when I reflect more on that, it's like, I think what it comes down to is that I'm scared of being rejected mm. or scared of being hurt. I think I think we compartmentalize because we we want to maximize our efforts mm-hmm. so that we're not disappointed, you know? Right. Because who, who likes being rejected by people that they admire or that they want their approval, you know? But mm-hmm. I think... God was reminding me that it's totally not about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not about yeah, because you because we might get rejected, but you know, if 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 the call is to be faithful no matter what, you mm-hmm. know, in front of whatever obstacle, it's like there could be an opportunity for this person to rejoice and come back home. Mm-hmm. You know, come back home running in tears, reunited with the father. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. Yeah, because I think we don't even realize that how our defense mechanism built yeah. all these walls, right? Mm. And yeah, so that's I think that's pretty cool <laughs> how God 
helps us and aids us in the process yeah, of yeah. being human because it gets difficult at times and we right. tend to complicate things. So, so what happened? Yeah, so the on on Saturday I went to this function for for my classmate and there were all these movie industry people there. Uh. You know, cuz they just they happen to be friends with mm. my classmate. And I'm just like, well, of course I felt intimidated. I'm like, what am I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I was like, oh, I know that person. Like, that person on that TV show. It's like, this is so strange. It's so weird. Me and my classmates that went together were just like sipping our drinks. Like, we're not sure. But then um, I remember I was there and I was like, who? I, I saw I saw an actress that I admired, you know, uh-huh. from, a, from, a, from a TV show that I really like. And I was like, you know what? what have I had to, to lose? You know, I don't, I didn't even know her name. I was like, so I just struck up a conversation with her and she was the sweetest person. And we were mm. just chatting and mm-hmm. I was just connecting. But then, so, but then during the message, God was like, don't you get it? You didn't do anything to get in that place mm. or to talk to that person. You just showed up. And I didn't even want to go. Honestly, I was mm. tired. It was late. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to wake up at 6am, you know, mm. take care of Luca. But God was like, you just, showed up and you were faithful mm. i made it happen you don't think i can do that again you don't think i can keep doing that if you're faithful to me and i think something funny that i felt like i was saying was like if you don't plan on doing this then i don't really have a use for you <laughs> you know <laughs> but it's like but if you if you do want to do this then i'm gonna put you there because mm. then i can use you mm. you know and obviously I'm, I'm i'm entering an industry that's extremely competitive mm. you know and the movie industry, I mean, people say it's one of the toughest to get into. And, of course, there's tons of locked doors, you know, that mm. people have to go through. And for me personally, I've been feeling really intimidated mm. and anxious, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just, it's not even questions of can I get there? It's more of a question of let's say even if I got there and I got this amazing opportunity, mm. will I even be able to hold my own, you mm. know? Can I be myself with these powerful, you know, movie stars or movie people, you know, mm-hmm. let alone influence them. Cause, mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel so small. I feel so inexperienced. And I think that weight and that pressure has just been kind of pushing down on me. Mm-hmm. And it's really just been a question of maybe I don't belong there. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been like a slow, like a sly voice in the back of my head, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because... As I was listening to the message, I heard a very distinct voice from the Lord saying, you know, Anmen, as long as you're faithful, mm. I'll put you in the right rooms, mm. you know, because I'm tr- I, I want to send you into that field, not so you can make great movies and be impressive mm. or impress other people. I want to send you there because I want you to reach people for Christ, mm. you know, because I want you to spread the good news and bring my sons and daughters back home running. You know, and I think once I had that perspective, I was like, yeah, who cares if I'm good at this or not? You know, mm. like that's that's tangent- tangential to the main mission, mm. which is bringing people back home and letting them realize that there's a father who loves them, mm. that they have a purpose, that they belong, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it just kind of kicked everything to perspective. And suddenly it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter if I'm amazing at this or not, you know, it's mm. like, if, if I'm going to be amazing at it, the only purpose is so I can reach people, you know, and really connect with them and bring them closer to the father, mm. you know? 
So I think it took it took a huge weight off, and um, yeah, I mean my Jenny will tell you I've been complaining to her every day. I'm mm-hmm. like I don't know if I could do this. I just finished the big thesis shoot, and I'm just like I can't do this. I'm terrible mm-hmm. at this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, it's just not making it about myself mm-hmm. in those times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thanks for sharing about the process, or even yeah. just a slight mutter that you've been hearing in your mind about you know feeling disqualified and um it's almost like you know i think the enemy has a way of making us tunnel vision i mean i think as human beings we're already that and when we're afraid we become very tunnel vision but enemy has a way of making us tunnel vision and focus on almost like a problem that is not really solvable Mm -hmm. or inner control per se. And I guess I want to say that it's not that we don't have authority against it, but it's almost like a fight of a, like a spinning wheel almost that you Mm -hmm. almost can't seem to grasp what it is, but God has a way of shedding light, right? And he kind of shows the big picture and kind of brings our focus from our fear hmm. to the grander picture that right, he right, has right. for us. And that's kind of like what I'm imagining as you're sharing this. Because you said you were struggling with these thoughts mm-hmm. and struggling you know, throughout your years as a student of intimidation. But yeah. now that you're finally stepping into and taking, you know, I guess looking for opportunities in the field, Mm -hmm. the voices, um, I guess, it continued or even got louder, right? And how God brought clarity by reminding you of the vision. And then all of a sudden, it's not that you didn't see the fears, but you had clarity of what you were meant for. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm. Yeah. Because I think one thing, because I was talking to to Jenny about this, and one thing she was saying was... um, my wife gives me awesome perspective. <laughs> she was saying was like, God uses us in in our fears, you know. And mm-hmm. she's like, I mean, a person who's perfect and doesn't have any insecurities is not relatable. Mm. No one likes a person like that. But when mm. you come with your full self, mm. even in your struggles, you know, mm. that's what really connects with people. That's what brings empathy. So I think I totally relate to that. It's like, it's not that my intimidation is gone or my fears are gone, but. I have the perspective to kind of put it in it where it belongs, you know, mm-hmm. instead of taking over my entire spectrum and everything, um, all my perspective. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, in, I'm remembering a story and I want you to tell it mm-hmm. about how you literally stepped out of your apartment into oh, right. a fair yeah, 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 and how you bumped into, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess this happens yes, <laughs> more often I'm than reminded, not. Yeah, yeah, God literally brought the person to you, right. and it was a very meaningful encounter. Totally. So there was um, there was a block party, literally on my block, outside <laughs> my front door. Right. Um, so I go out there, and I'm with there with Jenny and Luca and um, my sister-in-law. We're just hanging out. And in the corner of my eye, I see um, a really famous director. Mm-hmm. And... Um, his name his name is Jeremy. His last movie is called well, one of his big movies is called Green Room. Maybe mm. people are fans of it, but um, I love this director. He's one of my favorite guys working mm. right now. So he's just sitting there by himself. <laughs> I'm like what? at the fair. Yeah, and like again, it's literally ten feet from my front door, mm. the front door of my apartment. So he's not surrounded by anyone. I'm like, 
okay. So I make a beeline to him and I say, hey, are you Jeremy Sunye? He's like, yeah. I ended up talking to him for an hour. Mm. And he was so open, so gracious, so generous with his time. And like, I think it really worked out because his daughters were doing face painting uh-huh. up there. So he was just waiting uh-huh. for them. So I just had this full hour to just pick his brain, talk about his process. And it's funny because this happened um, like two months before I was writing my thesis. Mm-hmm. And the crazy kicker is that when I presented the pitch for my thesis to school, I used his movies as the <laughs> reference. Yeah. Like his movie was a direct inspiration. I was like, this is the tone I want to go for. Mm-hmm. This is the style I want to do. And then for him to just show up literally in front of my home and to be able to talk to him, it just, it was crazy. And then, mm-hmm. and then the Sunday after, we were going to church. I don't know if I mentioned this to you. We were mm-hmm. driving to church and he was walking his dog in front of our car. <laughs> oh, wow. It was like right as we were making the turn, uh-huh. you know, you got to stop for the crosswalk. Yeah. He was walking his dog in front. I was like, what is going on? And Jenny was like, I mean, maybe he's coming back to try to find you <laughs> to talk to. I'm like, okay, all right, let's not get carried away. Um, and then the final, the final thing about that is like, I was, I was, you know, I was like, I just threw myself out there. He's like, hey, if you ever need a PA on your set or something, I would love to. I'll do anything. Mm. You know, I just want to be on your set. He's like, yeah, actually, I'm shooting down south, you know, so I don't know if you could find your way there. Like, he was he was actually being yeah. helpful, you know, because he, he was like, yeah, I know the importance of mentors and things like that. So I'm like, yeah, can I just DM you on Twitter maybe, direct message you on Twitter? He's like, yeah, okay. thing with Twitter is that when you have the check mark. Uh-huh. You can't direct message them uh, because it's a famous person. They need I to see. follow you first. I see. So I, I was like, I replied to him. I was like, "Hey, Jeremy, do you remember <laughs> me? You're at a block party." He followed me. Oh wow! Which enabled me to direct message mm. him. So there was a connection. So a connection was yeah. made. Yeah. And like, and and you know, a lot of times these big celebrities or something, they have ten thousand followers because mm. they're, they're trying to get themselves out there he only followed like less than 100 people mm, so only people yeah wow. and i'm one of them mm. <laughs> but um but again all all i did was step outside mm. you know it, it could have been it could have been anyone but it was the director who i was being inspired by mm. to make my movie yeah yeah so it seems like god is saying something to you right. he's been kind of like building a story like hey i'm in I'm writing this story, yeah. so you could show up to something, and you, or you could just walk out right. of your own front door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me do the arranging, right? Yeah. I think it's also interesting, like, you know, you talked about intimidation on your part, entering into an industry, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that, yeah, I know that you met the actress at a function, right? But... This director, you met him not necessarily as a director, but you saw him as a father, as a dog owner, as uh, just another dude, right? Who is at a fair because it just happened to be around his neighborhood, probably. Mm -hmm. So you met him as a person. Right, right. Don't you think there's something that God is saying? Because God's not like marveled Mm. by celebrity. Yeah. But he sees, again, the category of celebrity does not exist in his mind. Yeah. But children, right? right? His children made in his image. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Because, you know, he was just wearing t-shirt, <laughs> dirty jeans, and New Balance sneakers. You know, it's he, he just looked like a regular guy in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the point is, even someone like him of his caliber who I admire so much, 
they still need the Lord too. You know, yeah. they're still looking for purpose. They still need to find healing. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think, yeah, it's so, it's, it's, it makes me uncomfortable to think about it that way because I revere these people so much, mm-hmm. you know, but when you boil it down, we're all broken, you know, and I, and I think God is reminding me, like, I have something of value to share because mm. I've been healed so much in my story. Mm. And I know, and I know the struggle, you know, of, of being a broken person or being a creative person and mm-hmm. finding God's approval and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's something extremely valuable that I can share with others. It's something that you did for me, that Dr. Sammy did mm-hmm. for me. So, yeah. When you put it that way, what's there to be intimidated by, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, we make such a big fuss, right, of talent and ability. But people usually are in relationship or like the people, not be like, I'm talking about like, right, being in relationship, not, we're enamored by talent, but at the end of the day, you want to hang out and be in relationship with the people you like. And I love how the message that Sam preached is about we're not called to success, but we're called to be faithful. We're not, you know, the success is not really in our control, right? But the character part of being faithful to God, faithful to the call, that's in our control. And that's about, that's determined by relationship, right? And, you know, not to like break down a celebrity, right? But I think, I wonder... You know, hearing the story of how he friended you, not really knowing your skills yet, right? I mean, did he watch anything that you did? No, no other no. than <laughs> the block party yeah, yeah, when yeah. he talked to you, yeah, right? Yeah. He obviously saw you as an enthusiastic director, you know, right. all that stuff. But more than that, he enjoyed his conversation with you enough to invite you on the day. And also in, as a verified celebrity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually friended you. Or is that what it's called on Twitter? Yeah, he like, followed me. He, he followed fo- you. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, technically, <laughs> you know, he followed yeah. you. So I think that says a lot. That in yeah. the end, people are drawn to who you are, right? And when people and who we are becoming, and when people are drawn to that, that makes it even more closer and um, more of an opportunity to bring glory to God or yeah. connect them to God, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you you know it's it's the age old thing of how the enemy attacks us in our strengths. Mm. You know, because I think something that people have always said to me is that when I act myself, mm. people just get drawn to me. You know, mm-hmm. and I and I connect with people. Mm-hmm. And but it makes sense for the enemy to make me feel small mm-hmm. and want other people's approval because then mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna get in my head. I'm not gonna be myself, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be awkward, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna push people away. Mm-hmm. So I feel like. Yeah, God's remind like all the best value we can be is just how He made us and yeah. to be ourselves in those situations. So, yeah, it's yeah. so true. How is it that the hardest thing is to just be who we are? Right. Made in God's image, like just be <laughs> yeah, yourself. Yeah. Like how we I have, made you to be, yeah. yeah, we have to take five steps and deep breaths just to like relax to be ourselves, yeah. and we're still wondering, are we being ourselves? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's amazing, you know. God is in the process of freeing us up even in opportunities to let us know, like, you know, like, like Jenny said, do it in fear. Right. Like you can actually be faithful in fear. Yeah. It's not opposed to fear. It's not opposed to doubt. 
because it's not opposed to process, but it's in that process while we're working all these things out that God is still working through us, not when we're perfect. Right. Right? Yeah. So I think that's very encouraging. Yeah. It's not like I walked up to him and like, you know, fearlessly. I was wobbling, you know, <laughs> like, what am I going to say? Because usually, you know, for anyone who's met a celebrity and walked up to them, usually you like plot out your script mm-hmm. in your mind. But I was like, I didn't have time to do that. And I mm-hmm. definitely fumbled in the opening, you know, I was super awkward and mm. I, I was like very nervous. I was talking, uh-huh. but then, yeah, as, as he was sharing, he, he started opening up and then I started kind of letting my guard down too. So you had yeah. a heart to heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's, that's, I wonder, you know, like I think celebrities like not, not to raise them over or break them down, but like celebrities at the end, they're human beings. Right. That's why for me, watching celebrities cook is like my favorite thing. <laughs> because when I see celebrities cook, I, it seems more like human beings. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Like they're not trying to be more, but they have to eat. Yeah. They have to eat healthy. They yeah. are human beings made of like human flesh, just yeah. like myself. They have to cut the garlic one yeah, by one, just like do. us. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And, they, and yeah. when they eat, it comes in calories. Like <laughs> right, right. it's the human factor. And um, yeah, that's really encouraging to know that God is at work doing that. You know, I actually recently heard a story um, of someone. He He's actually a nurse um, in a hospital. And um, he was at a like an event or something like that, right? And it was like a karaoke event. And he decided to sing a song. And he's actually a really great singer. Mm-hmm. He's a great performer. And he made an intentional choice to sing so that they could see other parts of him. Mm. Because when he's working, it's like, oh, he is this way. Or, oh, it's, you know... He's at work. Oh, we only see this part of him. Right, like, right. but, and he was sharing how about how when he sang, and you know, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. when he sings, like, <laughs> he brings you. the house mm-hmm. down, right? So mm-hmm. when he sang, people were like, whoa, you can <laughs> sing? That's amazing. And he said that it opened up stories um, of other people who he works mm. with that they were not all nurses at one point that um, someone said that they were actually a musician before they became a nurse. Wow. So it opened up like story yeah, yeah. because now you're, and it's not just like um, promoting, you know, relationship versus transactional um, you know, or transactions between people, or it's not just promoting mental health against burnout, but it's, yeah. Building relationships and getting to know people as who they really are. And I just thought that was so cool because now he's building relationships with people. Not to say that things are not hard at work um, because healthcare is rough, right? Mm -hmm. And like every field has its own difficulties. But now people are getting to know him and it's almost like um, people are getting to know him not just in his skills, but who he is outside of his uniform, mm-hmm. and it makes it even um, it makes him even more likable. Mm. I mean, he's already a very likable guy, mm-hmm. but it makes him likable, and 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind totally. of like breaks through the barriers of categories. Like, yeah. oh, he's that guy. Right. He's this guy. He's a great guy, a bad guy. But actually, wow, there are other parts. Yeah. And it kind of opens up conversation that people are not just what they seem to be or what they're labeled as, but they're more than that. There's so many dimensions to a person. Yeah. And again, in the end, you want to hang out with the people you like. Yeah, yeah. And what they say matters more. People you like, people you respect matters way more because character in the end matters way more than talent. Right. Right? Yeah, I think that's so cool (laughs) because, you know, something like singing so well, bringing the house down, it could seem very um, egotistical Mm -hmm. or very show-offy, but it's like, but in that moment, you could say God used it to bring people closer. Yeah. You know? When maybe on the surface it would seem like, oh, I admire this person. It it creates a distance. Right. But it's kind of like when you show a part of yourself, then other people show another part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, And there's like a human connection, which I think is necessary. Yeah. yeah, Because in the end of the day, it is about people um, needing friends. It's about people Mm -hmm. needing relationships. People in the end finding Christ. Yeah. Finding the father's arms right 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 so yeah you know when i was in college for me it reminded me of this and actually recently someone asked me about this i think actually i was um driving um joe our our host right of the podcast Mm -hmm. and he asked me a question because i said something like i was telling him you know before i turned 21 i felt led to a fast right Mm -hmm. too fast but you said this or joe said this Oh, he asked me like, oh, so I'm kind of drawing the context, context, but the conversation um, was about my fast. Because before I turned 21, I felt called to fast. Mm -hmm. I say too fast because there's so many fasts nowadays, but yeah, so I felt called by God to fast and at first I kind of brushed it off and, you know, I, at first I was kind of be like, oh, of course I want to fast. But now that I'm learning, like people don't, actually don't want to fast, so I should have just known that it was the Lord calling me. But I was like, eh, it was. I probably heard that to make it all special. Like I'm turning 21. Like God's not doing anything special. Come on. But someone knocked on my door while I was in uh, Christian college, and someone and I hadn't told anyone. And um, one of the girls who lived on the floor, she said, "You know what? I was praying, and like I heard this, and I just." I just wanted to tell you, did God tell you to fast, Lydia? And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so freaky. And I said, yes. And she goes, okay. Um, Basically, she was like, well, God said he did call you to fast. And he wants you to, you know, fast. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, thanks, thanks. And then I closed the door and I decided to fast. So I fasted three days. And it was in that fast, the Lord told me, I want you to focus on drawing closer to me. So I was like, oh, I could do that. I mm-hmm. love I love him. I love God. And so I thought it was going to be about, you know, just my closeness to God. But in that fast, I remember having a moment where um, I was like drawing this picture as I was journaling. And I was 21, mm-hmm. not 32. Not 25, not not when 180 Church started yeah. in Manhattan. But, and I wasn't even dating Sam at the time, right? So we didn't go into church planting or anything like that. But I drew this picture 
where God, like huge hand of God was in the picture. I drew it and I'm standing there. Hmm. And then I drew also these buildings and it was like skyscrapers. And so I was like, oh, it's a nice picture. And sometimes I doodle, but then I kind of just like went with it and I was drawing and then God gave me a line and a line, the line was that I hold on to this day as my call is draw near to God and draw others near to me. Hmm. And I held on to that. It was like on construction paper. I held on to that. And looking back, I thought, you know, I was growing up in Staten Island. God could have clearly drawn the Staten Island Ferry, you know, but he didn't. Hmm. He made it clear that there was a calling to exist in the city as a church because that presence of God's hand through a person who's willing to say yes Mm -hmm. is so important to draw people to and back to God. So for me, it it was so significant because um, he brought me back to that picture Mm -hmm. of the significance of the calling of God and the existence, why we exist in the city of all places. You know, And and it seems almost like, and that God is, making that vision clear to the people who are hearing the message Mm -hmm. and heeding to the call, how everyone in their sphere of influence or just in their relationships matter. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So it was such a reminder for me. But, you know, I think... There's so many obstacles to that. I think last week we covered how, you know, oftentimes we come to Christ as sinners and we embrace the Father's arms as sinners. And we're so clear Mm -hmm. when we um, go from lost to being found that we're a prodigal son. You know, God, there's nothing that I have done that deserves your grace. And we come to him. But over a certain period of time, the elder brother kind of builds up in us like... We have to be right about everything. Everyone has to be right about everything in order to kind of match up to a certain subcategory. And the call to become more like the Father. And this week, reminding us of why we exist again. And really because everyone is made in the image of God. You know, before celebrity, before labels, before their degrees... People are made ultimately in the image of God, no matter what costume, what outfit, what brand they may be eating or wearing, you know? And I love the line that Sam talked about, clear vision. A clear um, eyes, full hearts. Clear eyes, full hearts. Because God is clearing our eyes so that we don't it doesn't get smeared or mm. muffled by all the noise and the mutter of this world as the world sees these people yeah in your case the people of influence in the industry people at workplace like so that we don't see with all of these things but he is almost rinsing our eyes of all this excess mm. so that we could see people in the as children of god mm as we see ourselves, like nothing, really not much different other than we need to be loved and to know that we matter and that we have a creator and a savior, right? And one who will lead us and is writing our story. So 
um what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean first of all i think that that picture is so crazy mm. that you drew that yeah because like because because then i think about worship and i feel like you're doing that every sunday because mm-hmm. like for example like um yesterday yesterday when you were just reading the line mm-hmm. and then having the congregation read it like mm-hmm. i feel like well that's what that is like pila is drawing closer to god and then mm-hmm. she's drawing everyone else closer mm-hmm. to god so i think that's i think that's really beautiful but you know what because i'm thinking about um the terminator and then mm-hmm. friday night lights yes, you know because yes. dr sammy was like you gotta be a combination of <laughs> yes. those two things it's kind of like when i think about the terminator He had one mission, right? Mm. Just protect Sarah Connor. Mm. Don't let her die, mm-hmm. right? And he's so single-minded on that one goal. And he'll stop at nothing, right? And Dr. Sam is so funny. He's like, lose your arm, <laughs> you know, limping with one leg, get hit by a truck, you keep going. You know, you keep mm. going for that mission. I feel like, like, for your example, God gave you that call. Mm-hmm. And that's the North Star, you know, go after that no matter what. Mm. But then, you know, obviously we're not robots, right? We're not, mm. we're not robotic. Mm-hmm. There's also the Friday Night Lights angle, which is <laughs> God wants to clear our eyes mm. and, have, and give us a full view of the field mm-hmm. and of people around us and have full hearts and have compassion for people. Because the, the thing with the elder brother is that, you know, he, was, he stayed in, the, in his room or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like, we have the choice to come out of the room and mm-hmm. to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Or to even help the father look for the prodigal son or daughter mm-hmm. down the road. You know, and it's, it's almost like, well, I don't know if this is new. But I, I feel like I'm realizing that as I'm saying it. It's mm-hmm. like, when we, when we help the father, it's almost like that's us becoming like the father. Mm-hmm. You know, becoming mm-hmm. the father to these people and running to them hugging them bringing them in mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know i don't know if that makes sense or brings a fuller picture of of what that is of just i guess being relentless mm-hmm. and not forgetting the main mission of it what i mean calling is mm-hmm. and then also not to be blind to the surroundings and yeah having our hearts for people hearts mm-hmm. full of for people Yeah, because, you know, like going back to the prodigal son, um, the elder brother, the text says that he tells his servant to go find out what's happening because mm. he hears that there's a party going so on. So he doesn't even want to check in. Yeah, yeah, but it's like the fact that he said, oh, <laughs> you know, God, why, I mean, not God, but Father, why are you doing all of that? You know, yeah. don't you know where he's been? But, you know, why didn't you do any of that for me? But actually... Uh, sir, you have a servant, so <laughs> obviously you are very blessed. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but I think entitlement or whether, you know, in his case, it's entitlement, right? He felt so entitled that it, I don't think this is like speaking into text or writing more into text, but, you know, it's a parable, right? Mm-hmm. So he was entitled and he probably feared loss that, oh, well, What is this going to look like mm. for me? Like his position felt shaken up. And so he, the call to overcome and step out of that room and to enter into the work of the father, mm-hmm. the celebration and the embrace of the father. Sometimes that I think can be such a long walk, especially yeah. when your eyes are not clear. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's how we, like we say we complicate, but that's, I feel like every day, especially with social media, that's 
kind of like the battle of this generation though yeah like everything seems like what it's not so there's no clarity about what it really is yeah. i think in the golden globe awards what's his name um Ricky the comedian Gervais. yeah he gave this whole speech about right. you guys don't know yeah, anything yeah, yeah, like yeah. at the end of the day yeah. and you know i was like oh man <laughs> were they offended by that but perhaps and that's comedy <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. Because, but in in a sense, it's also refreshing. It's mm -hmm. like, you guys are actors. Yes, you are humans, but you guys are actors and playing a role. Like, let's all be human beings. I mean, that's kind of how yeah. I heard it. Yeah. Like, you can be an activist, but at the end of the day, like, your expertise isn't that. So let's, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to, like, reduce it or anything. But basically saying, like, let's all relax and have a good time. Yeah. You know, let's not be pretentious. And be let's, real with who we are. Yes. Yeah be real with who yeah. we are um yeah i i think it's selective vision too mm. because i think about the elder brother let's say he came out all he's looking at is like oh he killed the calf his, his he spent money on this all mm. this is going on but he's not seeing the joy of his father mm -hmm. he's not seeing the joy of his younger brother coming mm. back home and being safe again like he's 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 blind to those things but he's just saying oh this costs so much this mm -hmm. is so extravagant he was like counting yeah and it's like we're so bombarded by content every day, mm. you know. And I'm even me. If I log on to Twitter, you know, my vision becomes selective too. Mm -hmm. And then all I see is like, oh, this is so hard, or you know, this person's like this, or you need this kind of ego to make it, or you need this talent, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not looking at, but God called me to be myself. Mm -hmm. But I'm loved just because I'm a son. Mm -hmm. or i have people in my life that affirm who I, you know what i mean yeah suddenly i'm blind to those things yeah but i'm just like oh paying attention to i need to do this i need to get better at that and mm -hmm. then, you know yeah i just i need to <laughs> rewipe my glasses you know and, and refresh my vision for that yeah you know? and i think selective vision is such a great point because i think selectivity and seeing only what we want to see in the end, you are seeing what you want to see and you're yeah. kind of stuck at the vision where you can't get out of. Yeah. Is, I mean, not to say everything is not, like that it is fully <clears throat> in our control. It's Sometimes it gets a lot deeper, but to God is clearing that vision so that we can see. Because yeah. the whole pettiness of counting is that he didn't really see what was really going on. He was counting and he was seeing from a perspective of how he thought was going to affect him right so his view of his selection was actually up on himself mm. and not really about the greater work that was happening right. in his family and so again i think it comes to i'm just reminded of how god works and that we get so fixated on the things that we want to see whether it's fear or the enemy's lies or the mutter of our own minds our own struggles or the mutter of the enemy or even the people around us mm -hmm. but god brings clarity not just by bringing light there but he opens up our perspective widely right and it's in the wide perspective that there's clarity and things are not so petty. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, this that calf is delicious. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, like it becomes more focused too. Yes, yeah. exactly. And yeah. that sounds so counterintuitive, but right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your insight was right on about his fear of loss because he was like, Well, you never did this for me. You never threw a party for me, mm -hmm. right? And then what does the father say? He's he's like, What are you talking about? 
everything I have is yours. Mm-hmm. Like you've been here the whole time. And it's almost like he forgot who he was. Yes. And that's why he became entitled. Yes. Because he was like, oh, I never got that. I never got treated like that. Does my dad love me like that? Mm. You know? And while the servant is saying, sir, I am your servant <laughs> that your father gave to you yeah. because yeah. he loves you so much. Right, right. So, you know, it's a merciful message, I think, even for the elder brother mm. to help the elder brother and all of us realize, well, look all that God has done in your life. Let's clear eyes, full heart, and... So we can, what, what is that? So we don't lose, can't lose. <laughs> yeah, can't lose. <laughs> and it is that process that God is working, not just in the prodigal son or even the elder brother, but he's actually working in both and right. in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Even the, right. taking those labels off of, well, you are that type. Mm-hmm. No, you are like that. Mm-hmm. No, God is calling all of us into that greater plan that he has. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, in the end, we're both the younger and older brother, you know? And we all need to come home, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> home running, I so. love what Sam said, you know, and this Bible explicitly says this, that while we're still sinners, that he died for us, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That while we were still ungodly, that he died for yeah. us. But... The reminder, it almost like even in the church puts, um, yeah, and we have seekers, but I'm talking about like the believers. It puts everyone on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. Let us never forget that we were once sinners too, saved by grace. Yeah, that reminds me of Mm. um, the story about Brownie Uh when she was rolling in the the duck poop. I was so moved (laughs) by the punchline of that story Mm. because Dr. Sam was like, that's what the church is called to be. Mm. And um, I don't know. Do you have more of your uh, perspective on that story, your side of it? <laughs> you know, I just had a great music lesson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sam took the kids with Brownie and they were running the field. I didn't know. You know, he just like, honey, go, go, go yeah, learn. Yeah, yeah. And I had a great lesson, came back and Sam was trying to not look so stressed, but like I could tell he was a little stressed. And then I was like, yeah. what happened? I was like, oh, honey, we can't put her in the car. And um, we had like a huge like suburban trunk. He's like, we need to put her in the trunk. Like we yeah. can't put her in the seats. Dr. And I was Sam like, poop did not go well together. <laughs> yeah, he hates that. Those, yeah. He hates that. <laughs> but I was like, honey, come on, stop acting like that. What, what happened? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I, I know like his, you know, aversion to it. But yeah, yeah. And um, for me, I guess like we just took her home and washed her yeah. right away. <laughs> but. And the flip of that, that that is all of our story. Like mm-hmm. everyone's in that place where yeah. you're covered with, sh- you know, sh- what is this? Shenanigans yeah, yeah, and yeah. in shenanigans mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we think we're a little better than that because we forget those yeah. moments where we're covered by shenanigans yeah, yeah. and in shenanigans. Yeah. So it is a great reminder. For sure. Yeah. Because it's like the thing that really touches me about that story is that I mean, sin is sin. We have to own up to it, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we repent. But sometimes the brokenness in our lives is not our fault. Mm-hmm. And for Brownie, it was just instinct, mm-hmm. you know? She just does it because she's a dog. But then when the shame is put on us, especially if it's not on our fault, like mm-hmm. who who can overcome that on their own, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, 
I didn't even want this, but I'm so ashamed to show this. Mm. And then for someone to lovingly come and be like, no, it's okay. And wash that off of mm. us. You know, like that's so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, this is why I go to church. You know, mm. this is why I want to keep coming to this place and investing in this community. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's why the prodigal son text says that the father had like compassion on yeah. him. And I think yeah. compassion is the way to clear eyes. Right. To be able to see their state and yeah. that there is shame and that mm -hmm. there is so much more brokenness than right or wrong and black and white. Mm -hmm. And to embrace people exactly as they are. Yeah. Not trying to fix, but embracing the whole process. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I'm sure the prodigal son didn't have a shower before he came home. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was probably covered in, in everything and all the muck and all the stuff, you know, and God saw him or the father saw him and just felt love and wanted him to want to come back, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my youngest son recently. So he's seven, but like sometimes he'll have like genius moments uh -huh. where, he'll, where he'll say something really deep and then go back <laughs> to like literally a second after that point, he'll go back to being like seven and maybe like two. <laughs> but I remember um, I was driving him to basketball and we were having this conversation about how he felt like you know, he's at that developmental stage where, you know, you don't want to be told the same thing over and over. And you're just like, why can't I just listen? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you could tell he wants to do the right thing, but it's just instinctually he just ends up doing the other thing. And he's just mm -hmm. like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's kind of like hard on himself, you know, that stage. And yeah. I think we're in that stage a lot where yeah. we want to do what's right, but it's like, oh, my Lord, what is wrong with yeah, me? Yeah. You know, that stage. And I remember we were having this conversation and I told him, I said, you know, you know, Josh, I want you to know that. You know, I know you feel like sometimes the teachers like nag at you and mom nags at you and you feel like, you know, people that are older will always be better than me and everything and all that. And it's like a very, it's a childlike perspective, mm -hmm. but also it's a very selective perspective, right? And a lot of times we carry that too. We always feel like we'll never measure up. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. how old we are. But yeah. he was having that, you know, struggle and I remember I said to him, I said, Josh, I want you to know, like, you know, you're seven, but a lot of the struggles that you have in time will go away mm. because you want to do the, do the right thing. You want to get better. And if you keep working at it, I promise you by eight, right. like teacher will not be nagging at you about the same things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was sitting in the back and like, he said this, he goes, Wait, you mean it's I could have progress? <laughs> oh my god. I was like, yes, Josh. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's exactly the word progress. He goes and then like he like went back to something else like <laughs> rapper and I don't know, like dreads and drawing. And then I said, Yeah, exactly. You could yeah, progress. Mm -hmm. You could get better at it. Mm -hmm. You could work on it. Don't give up. And then I, and then he goes 
you mean it's a process? <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what's going on? It's like, what's, it's like God, God feeding him these words. But because yeah. it was speaking to me. Because right, that's right. my struggle too. I think that's all of our struggle. Yeah. Many, yeah. many of us, right? Well, speaking to me right now. So. <laughs> and I said, exactly, yeah. Josh. Yeah. It's a process. This progress comes through process over time. So don't give up. Keep going. And then uh-huh. he goes, well, I feel better. <laughs> because I think... It, We end up wearing shame in our failures, but like just like the prodigal son, and it's not only when we come home for the first time, but in every moment, the father is, he breaks shame by embracing us. You know, like the heaviness of shame, he breaks it by embracing us and reminding us, hey, you're on track. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, I, I think I wrote this like in my blog, but one thing I wish I could, I could tell myself, my 21 year old self is, hey, you're on track, keep right. going. But sometimes that's all we need to know that there is hope, that there is mm-hmm. grace for all that you're going through, you know, yeah. and that's what the father does. And that's so powerful. And the call is for us. Like you said, like when we join the Father, we are becoming mm-hmm. like the Father. Yeah. To do that for, yeah, I guess generally the world, but in the special places where God places us yeah, like yeah. you, but also reminding you like, I'm in, you know, when you were at that function, when I timed it so that my daughter could be there for you to speak to, well, I didn't just make one arrangement on one side for you to be there. I made that arrangement for my daughter to pass Mm. by in that moment because she's my daughter. I wanted her to have that encounter with you, you know, and I'm kind of imagining, but do you know what kind of day she had, you know, and because people are walking with all sorts of shadows and gloom and, you know, the whispers and mutters of, am I good enough? Am I, am I okay? Like, where where am I going? Like, what is my purpose? Even if their makeup and their filter looks great. So, yeah, I'm reminded of that conversation because I think that speaks to me too. Hmm. That when I kind of lose and miss the point, that the father reminds me, hey, Lydia, don't think like this don't think like you have to be somewhere else don't think like you have to be at this level i embrace you where you are and i'm and i don't call you pastor Mm. i call i don't call you the expert mom i call you my daughter Mm. i'm walking with you i'm walking with josh i'm walking with every single person and i want you to join me in this process of drawing them closer to me yeah you know yeah totally it's, you know, when I talk to people, because I, 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 this is something that I always want to share with them because I want to tell myself all the time is, you know, people who feel like they're in a dead end career mm. or they're like, why am I, why am I still stuck in this place? Or when will I, you know, when will I get married? When will mm. I get the job I want? When mm. will I be able to move out? You know, I think it's, it, it, it goes back to that karate kid thing, you know, wax on, wax mm. off, you know, because Daniel, He's like, why am I doing this? This makes no, there's no point in this. And then, some, and then like, there's that moment where Mr. Miyagi is like, <laughs> you know, block my, block my punch, you know? And then he, he's using the same motion. I feel mm. like 
the Lord does the same thing for us. We're, we're in this weird job or we're in this seemingly dead-end place, but he's actually preparing us and being with us. And as long as we're faithful, like he'll use all of it mm-hmm. for this brand new purpose. And it's like, oh, it all comes together. Mm-hmm. But then the difference between Karate Kid and walking with the Lord is that it's his grace that brings us there. Mm-hmm. right? And suddenly we're ready for that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that even those crazy moments don't determine our identity. Yeah. But it's just because yeah. we're walking with Him. Right. We get to experience yeah. the highs and the lows. Right. And people in the highs and the lows yeah. of this life. Yeah. Well, it's usually when we, when we finally <laughs> surrender, right? And we say, you know what, God? I'm just going to follow you. Forget it. I don't care about those things. I just love you. And then God's like, all right. <laughs> you know, like He mm. never puts us in a place where he knows that it's going to ruin our identity or it's going to get to our heads or, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's out of his love for us too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, people listening might be like, well, I'm never going to see a celebrity. Like there's no relevance to me and a celebrity or it's for me, it's just my family members. It just seems so Mm -hmm. difficult. Like I only see how they're so, you know, close-minded like how do you expect me to break through that well i think that's exactly the area where god wants to give um give you and i clear eyes full hearts can't because we can't lose yeah and i think he's rinsing everyone's eyes it doesn't matter where it may be because we all need our eyes cleansed from the labels we put not just on ourselves, but on others. And that very label we put on ourselves and on others is really what creates the distance. Mm. And God this year is calling us to bridge that gap, to bridge that distance. And can you imagine 2020? (laughs) I mean, not really. It's kind of nuts. It's funny because... It was just yesterday that I was like, oh, it's the new year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It took mm-hmm. me 10 or whatever days to, to catch up. But yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine because I don't know. It's exciting is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The possibility. Yeah, no, I yeah. feel that excitement too. Yeah. And it's the refreshing of the vision. It's the, um, the refining of our vision. Mm-hmm. It's. You know, it's not that God hasn't been doing this, but I think it's the call that seems so much clearer. I think people are hearing it. Mm. People are hearing the call to... It's not that people are not living for the mission of God, but it's... I don't know how God does it, but He has a way of refreshing the same mission and really meeting our needs Mm. in our weakness and in our selectivity and working on us and encouraging us all at once so that we're at the right place at the (laughs) right time um becoming who we can become in christ like i i don't know how he does it but that excitement is definitely in the air of god is doing this yeah people were really really pumped with the message even after church gathering, listening to people. Yeah, I think they should be. Yes. I mean, God will lift you up whenever he wants. It could be tomorrow. It could be a month from, you know. But I think we we should be excited to know that when the time comes, it's going to be because we'll be ready. And, 
let's go for it <laughs> when when the opportunity does show up yeah. yeah so the call is also to be faithful yeah so you know many people might not have seen the karate kid because oh, who right. knows our audience <laughs> but there are different yeah. versions right like yeah. i rewatched um karate kid the one with uh will smith's kid, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Smith, yeah 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 and it was literally he had to hang his coat up yeah, constantly yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? But And he, he did. And his mom kept asking him. And he was like, eh, it doesn't matter. But then when he started hanging it up, hanging it up, hanging it up, he started to build the muscles. Mm -hmm. He started to build the skills and the formation and the form to be able to combat and to defend himself in the fight. So right. it's pretty amazing. So do not give up. Faithfulness and character uh, for God is never in vain. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's hard to quantify mm -hmm. what we are becoming yeah. or what um, our effort for our character and faithfulness to love God and to love others is mounting up to. It, yeah. it is. It's very frustrating to not know. And I think oftentimes we want to give up because we're like, eh, we're not going anywhere. Like, what does this have to do? Maybe I need to try something new. But and like as Sam says a lot, it's not sexy in the moment, right? It yeah. really isn't. Yeah. But um, there, for people around us who are watching, for people in relationship with you and I, it matters. Because anyone can see someone become more like Christ. Anyone mm -hmm. can see someone who is becoming a better father. Mm -hmm. Anyone can see... People around you, you might not see it because your vision might not be peripheral, but people in your periphery can see it. Right. And I think that's the amazing thing. It benefits those that listen to you. It benefits those that are around you. Right. So I think I heard this. I wrote, I, I think I read this quote in Trader Joe's. I'm just reminded. It says, don't, okay, I'm going to butcher it, but this is what I got from it. Like, <laughs> don't. Don't quantify your life based on um, the harvest, but on the seeds that you sow mm. and you plant. Right. And I'm not a farmer, but I think that speaks to um, all of us. Mm -hmm. In that, and the picture actually on the card was like it was like this beautiful house filled with all these flowers. And I think it kind of speaks to the fact that kind of like what I just said, like we can't always see. Because our vision might be, you know, it's not like all of a sudden it gets cleared and then all of a sudden it's clear forever. Mm -hmm. We all have to clear our glasses and wash our contacts out yeah, and yeah, yeah. get new prescription. But if we could focus on our effort of loving God and loving others, no matter what the rejection or the response is, I think in time there will be a harvest of others benefiting from that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing is, we might see it, like Sam talked about it, that in Hebrews 11, it talks about how some saw, but some only saw, saw some experienced God in a powerful way, right? But some were sawed in two. Like, not everyone sees the glory of God in their lifetime. Mm. But, yes, eternally, for sure. That's the promise yeah. of God. But not all who live for God will greatness mm. of seeing celebrities you know having to go to these great grand things but 
everything that we do will reap a harvest. Yeah. Maybe not in the grandeur of what we think, but it will reap a harvest into relationships. Yeah, it totally. will reap a harvest for others to draw closer to God through you and I. Yeah. And I think that's 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 good enough. For sure. For me. Yeah, I don't think any of it God doesn't waste any of it, mm-hmm. basically. I can I don't know how much time we're going, but I can share a quick story that yeah. directly applies to this because when I was 27, I worked at Target. I was mm-hmm. in the back room. And um, that was very embarrassing for me because peers, my peers had, you know, they were moving into their careers. Mm-hmm. They were making $70,000, $80,000. Some were making six figures, you know. For me, making minimum wage, mm-hmm. you know, in the back room, retail store. It's not something that I was readily advertising mm-hmm. for people. But that's kind of... That's where I was at in my life, and that's where I felt like God was calling me to. If anyone mm-hmm. wants to know the deeper story, I'm willing to share. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and being at Target, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Obviously, I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? Mm-hmm. I should be, I'm, I'm an editor. I want to become a filmmaker. But mm-hmm. why am I working at this place? Something invaluable that I learned there that I don't think I could have learned anywhere else is that people... People ultimately like me just for who I am and not my talents. Because yeah. when I was at Target, mm. no one knew I was made movies or I was into music or, you know, like they didn't know about any of my talents. And my whole life, I thought that's the only value I could offer people, mm. my creative abilities. Mm. No one knew about that, but they still wanted to hang out with me. They were happy when they saw me. Like my name, everyone called me An because my name tag didn't fit An Min. <laughs> They're like, An, you know? <laughs> Um, and I started building relationships mm. with these with, with these people, you know, just ordinary people from Staten Island, you know, didn't know anything about me, but we liked each other. We liked, and it reminded me of, you know, when you're t- sharing the story about the, the nurse who started singing, mm. you know, but, mm. but, you know, from that, basically the message I got was, I just have to be myself mm. and people will be drawn to me just because I can just be me because God made me to be me. The thing is when I met who would, Jenny, who would later become my wife, she didn't see any of my talents either. And one of the reasons, and she found, she actually ended up falling in love with me just because I was who I was. Mm. She saw me for me. The thing is, if I didn't have that experience at, at Target, and I hope all the single people are listening to this, <laughs> I think it's important. If I didn't have that experience at Target, I wouldn't have believed it. Mm. And I would have said, well, she's she doesn't know what she's, talking about she, 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 i don't know what she's seeing because the only value the my main value is my talents mm. she doesn't see that i don't want to be loved that way mm. but because of that i actually became a deeper person and i was like okay i think there's something worth worthwhile here because mm. if she can see me for me that means she's really seeing me mm. and she's not just impressed by me and this is some someone that i can go on a long journey with mm. and ultimately that's probably the main reason why i ended up marrying her you know and now Mm. we're together and we have a beautiful son Mm. and another one on the way so yeah she saw you yeah as you were yeah and i also know that she loved that how you loved god right i mean you played that whole thing down that (laughs) oh i'm like nobody but to her that was the most attractive thing that you loved god yeah right she found that pretty attractive Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but if I didn't spend that summer at Target, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't have been that person. Mm. I would have been kept trying to put my best foot forward. Like, oh, mm. look at my talents. Look at my talents. You don't like me for my talents? Okay. I kind of want to be with someone who likes me for my talents. You know? Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's true. So well, do you have any um, thing you would want to say to people who may feel like, well, that's Amman. He could say that, but he's uh, talented. Like me? Okay, like, what about me, you know? I think it's more like, if you're at a place right now, right, and you have no idea why you're there, but you've received confirmation both personally and from others, and your leaders have confirmed it, that God's calling you to be there in this place, I think you need to trust that and just be faithful. Because mm. God's using, like you said, God's not wasting any of that character building. And you may not see it, it might you might be completely blind to it, but it's gonna amount to something very valuable and very beautiful mm. in the end. Um, so, yeah, in, in the end, it's not really about talent or ability, whether you have it or not. It's just you are where you need to be for a very specific reason and purpose, and mm. just be faithful to that. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. God won't let you down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and no matter where you are. Or where I am, we're called to to be faithful. Yeah. And he he allows us in that process yeah. to draw close to him and to turn to him. Yeah. And to know him and to love him and to love others with that love. Yeah. And no matter what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a present. Even if you don't want to Instagram about it, you know. Yeah. Especially if it's something embarrassing, you know, it's God's God's using it. He's on it, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like, you thought that you were going to be loved for your talents, and that would be the great life, because now you'll live this great life where your wife knows, and she's so impressed by you, and the world will be impressed by you. Right. Right? Yeah. But would you say that your life is so much more than what you ever imagined it to be? Well, I would have always been insecure, Mm. because if I I did end up with someone who was impressed by my talents, I would have never known if I was really loved or not, mm. because I wouldn't have felt seen, you know, I would have, I would have still been in hiding mm. and I would have always been able to just cover up my, those inner parts of me, mm. you know, and I can't say I would have been living a full life. Mm. I would always be questioning how horrible is that to always be questioning and anxious in your own home with your own marriage. Mm. Oof, yeah. So character matters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Yeah. So, um, as we close, so we're going to wrap up. And I just want to encourage people to um, turn to the ministry time. And I always say that, not because it's like, oh, let's do that next. But it's really powerful when we pray and when we turn to God together. Mm. And so, tune into that time and let's pray together. Um for, for what God is in store in 2020, for how God is calling us, reminding us of our call, encouraging us, correcting our vision, um, cleansing our eyes, you know, filling our hearts with fullness of Him and clarity so that, and I love this, and I know it's not the title, but so that in 2020, our vision will be clear so that we can live with full hearts and so that we can live to win the fullness that all that he has because we have a mission 
for others to know. So, you know, it was such a great message. And Amen, I just want to thank you for coming today because that was such a great conversation. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, hearing your insight and your process and your progress of loving God and being faithful and hearing all those stories was very encouraging. So I just want to thank you for coming and for Jenny allowing you to for us to <laughs> yeah, have yeah. you for this time because yeah, I you know to you Jenny have a little one. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much and have a great week, guys. Will you lift your hands to the Lord today? And will you pray that God would make you faithful? Will you say, Lord, I want to be faithful so that all glory may go to Christ. That all glory may go to the one who paid the price, the good shepherd, the one that left the 99 for the one who found me because he saw inherent value in me. Because he believed me. Because he died for me. Will you become a community of faith that joins him? That restores the beauty in all things. Folks, if we're faithful, let's be faithful and leave God. Leave it to God for success. Leave it to God for revival. Leave it to God for whatever magnitude he wants to use us. You're all called to be the Terminator. Say, God, I want to be faithful like that until my dying breath to join you and this community to restore the beauty in all things. So, Father, we come before you this afternoon with full, with, with clear eyes. The unconflicted, uncompeting value of prioritizing the one over the many. The Visio Day informing our theological conviction of the Imago Day that every person in this life, regardless of their behavior and their mistakes and their shame and despair, is worthy to be forgiven. Jesus shed his blood for them. Father, we pray that we never forget we're sinners, saved by grace. Father, we pray that revival for us would be many sinners finding you, finding healing, finding forgiveness, and then flourishing in their lives right here among us. And then people wondering in hindsight, I can't believe or even imagine the things that he has done in my life. I know people in our community that think that. I pray that that would be compounded. That impossible things that you once thought was impossible for you would happen in Jesus' name. So Father, this year, We pray that you make us faithful to your vision that you had from the very beginning of the New Testament. We come to you today with clear eyes, full hearts, with the conviction we can't lose. Because if we're doing what you're doing, no matter to what degree we believe you will move, then just save one. 
Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 539-7-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.